So welcome, welcome. And first, I would like to, somebody was asking yesterday, and um, yesterday we had a great gift from Gina in the afternoon, and everybody was there. It was wonderful that everybody came for that session. And she did, a, did us a great gift is that at the end of the guided meditation, she chanted in English, the Metta Sutta. And actually I have heard the Metta Sutta in Pali in the ancient Buddhist language, but I had never heard it chanted so beautifully in English. So what you heard was a Metta Sutta, the loving kindness Sutta. It's a special short text. And she did it, it was so beautiful. And of course, the audio is on the notice board, but we will ask Gina this afternoon if she can possibly copy and paste a version so that we can put it on the notice board because uh, the Metta Sutta, the Loving Kindness Sutta has been translated in many different ways. So that was a wonderful gift we received from Gina yesterday. So now what I want to talk today about is mudita. So it's some of you might be familiar with the term, some of you not. So mudita is one of the four qualities. So one of the four uh, divine abodes as uh, Gina mentioned. And mudita can be, is generally translated as sympathetic joy. And personally, I would uh, prefer to maybe kind of uh, modernize it a little bit and call it in two ways. Because I think mudita for me is appreciative joy combined with altruistic joy. So you could say there are two aspects to mudita appreciative joy, which is more personal, and altruistic joy, which is more rejoicing with others. So first, to kind of give you a little bit of an idea about what mudita uh, is about, just a little example. And so one of the best examples I have been given was with Venerable Achan Amaro, who is a Ed with the abbot of Amaravati in England. And he said, Mudita is when you stopped in a vehicle at the red light and you rejoice for the people who are passing at the green light. And when I gave this example to my French seniors, no way were they buying it. I am not going to rejoice that they're passing at the green light. So it kind of show a little bit French people and their connection with vehicles and traffic. But I thought it was such a beautiful image. And that's why in a way uh, I made a mistake I need to do it to everyone. Just a little second. Yeah. Voila. Uh, and 
And so in a way, when I mentioned uh, the vaccination is, of course, there is, there can be debate about the vaccination, but on the whole, uh, most people in general, not everybody, but most people in general want to, want to have it for diverse reasons, either to protect themselves or to protect others or to feel they have more freedom of movement. And to me, uh, like the situation between France and England is so different. Uh, France and Great Britain is very different because in Great Britain, they kind of went vaccination and in France, vaccination is coming very slowly, but it's okay. I mean, I have no problem with it personally. But what I'm thinking in terms of Mudita, it would be a bit the same as light. Personally, I rejoice that people are, want to be vaccinated, get vaccinated, and are happy with it. I mean, really, I rejoice. Me, I don't know when I'll get it, and I'm not too bothered about it one way or another, but I'm really happy that either the people themselves get vaccinated and get protected and protect others, but also when their parents, because that's why I see a lot on Twitter, people saying, oh, finally, my parents have been vaccinated. I'm so happy. So in a way, I think there you have mudita, you know, when people rejoice that others uh, can get vaccinated. So talking about mudita, we're talking about these two aspects, appreciative joy and altruistic joy. So first I like to look at appreciative joy. And so in a way, at one level, this is a practice. And I think this is a practice which is very intimately connected with mindfulness of tonality. So yesterday we talked a little about Vedana, V-E-D-A-N-A, which is translated as feeling tones, pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. And the thing is that as an organism, we generally have a kind of, in a way, um, a slight tendency to be, and that has been kind of scientifically studied, that we have a tendency to be more quickly and more focused on unpleasant tonality, which often gives us the impression, oh, everything is down. Like this weekend is about ups and downs. And at one level, we often are more aware, more quickly of the downs than the ups. And I think what is important with Mudita, appreciative joy, is that it's going to balance that tendency. And of course, it's a normal tendency. It's biological, it's evolutionary. We need to be aware much faster about what is dangerous, what is harmful. But if it becomes too habitual, in a way it kind of you know, make us more on that side. And then it becomes a little difficult because in a way it's nearly like we have this impression, I'm always down, 
always lots of bad things are happening to me. It doesn't mean that bad things are not happening. But if we as aware of unpleasant tonality as pleasant tonality, then we can have more of a balance. Which then it's in a way easier to have equanimity because there can be more of that balanced experience. So mudita is not so much about, of course, it can be about perception, it can be about cognition, but it's more about experiencing, knowing for ourselves. So we mindfully being aware of pleasant tonality. And then it balances that tendency to be more aware of what is unpleasant. And what is interesting about mudita is that the Buddha says it is an antidote. So in a way, for the Buddha, the four qualities were antidotes. So the first for loving kindness, antidote to fear, compassion, antidote to cruelty, mudita, antidote to envy, and equanimity, antidote to agitation. So mudita is actually, this is another thing that we have a tendency to have, is that we are envious. And how are we envious? Is through comparison. I mean, uh, I don't know how you are with social media and if you are on social media. But what is interesting in a way with social media, it's really about tonality, you know? Up, you're wonderful, likes, down, unpleasant, dislike. And then if you post anything on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then the question is for some people, how many likes do I get? And then you can see people are very different. I follow some people on Instagram. Somebody might have five likes, someone might have 2,000. So obviously, kind of there is a difference in some ways. And then what happened? When I personally see somebody with a thousand likes, I think, oh, he has lots of followers. She has, they have lots of followers. Oh, that's nice. They're appreciated. And the fact that I might get 10 or five likes, doesn't take anything from me than they have a thousand. But some people might feel because of that comparing mind, oh, I don't have, nobody likes me because I don't have likes. So in a way we can have this tendency to compare negatively. So in a way we look at what others have and then we say, I don't have that. And we don't look at what we have. And at the same time, we don't know how really the people are. They might appear to have it all. And at the same time, they might be also have great suffering. So I think this is in a way the mudita is really an antidote to envy. It's an antidote to comparing negatively. So somebody wants me to repeat the antidote. 
So for loving kindness, antidote to fear, for compassion, cruelty, mudita, envy, equanimity, agitation. And then to me, mudita, one people could, could feel, oh, mudita is just a little kind of, you know, superficial, artificial. Why, why do I need to be joyful? Well, personally, I think it's nice to be, to be joyful, to experience pleasant tonality. And the Buddha thought it was really important to experience that. But personally, I think mudita actually is very profound. I think it's a very profound teaching. And it's a profound teaching because I think it's intimately connected with contentment. In a way, it's kind of like Mudita is showing us, oh, look, it's a bit like Thich Nhat Hanh teaching us to, can I look at this orange? and appreciate the orange and see all the condition. Like Gina yesterday said, everything is connected. Look at the condition. The condition that made the orange, the condition that made us, the condition that allow us to survive. And so in a way, instead of seeing just what's missing, it's actually realizing, oh, I am so rich already. I am so, there's so many things already. And I think this to me, the mudita, that's why I would associate it with a wonderful text, one of my favorite texts in the Buddhist canon. And it's called the Noble Lineage. And it's in the numerical discourse, it's in the four, and it's number 28. And the text says that it starts wonderful. The Buddha said, oh, there is this noble lineage and my noble lineage. And if you want to be part of my noble lineage of the awakened, of the enlightened, this is what you need to do. So you really are expecting something really big that, you know, it must be like you must have like the fourth jhana or amazing meditative state or amazing, like, you know, amazing something. But actually what the Buddha says, how do we belong? How each of us can belong to the noble lineage? And what he says is, I mean, that day, that time, 2,500 years ago, he was actually addressing monks. And he said, you know, how can those monks who were supposed to be dedicated to practice, how could they be part of the noble lineage? And the Buddha said, here monks, a monk is content with any kind of rope, is content with any kind of food, is content with any kind of lodging. And delight in the development of meditation. And if you do this, then you're part of the noble lineage. And what is interesting is that what it shows then is that the monk, we're getting a little picky. 
They have a kind of like, you know, and it's, so I just read you one because I think it's so wonderful. So, and he does, the monk does not engage in the wrong search, in what is improper for the sake of a robe. And if he does not get a robe, he is not agitated. And if he gets one, he uses it without being tied to it and, and infatuated with it, not blindly absorbed in it, seeing the danger in it, understanding the escape. So what is interesting here, sounds like, <laughs> I mean, the monks could not have many things, robes, shelter, and food. But even then, they were making this a little complicated. I want a fancier robe. I want a better window or thing of that nature. And the Buddha was saying, come on, you're here to practice. Can you be content with robes which protect you? Can you be content with the food you're given? Can you be content just to have shelter? And so in a way, personally, I would connect mudita with what I call, in a way, the question, or what is it I need for my survival, survival of my family, my society, and what is it I want? And I think what the confinement, personally, I think at that level, the confinement has been a great teaching. Because, I mean, in France, we had uh, several lockdowns, and so we were unable really to shop. But from shopping for food, a lot of the time you could not shop. And I could see at time, I would because I have a little tendency, I don't buy clothes like crazy, but time to time I get a little kind of obsession about I need to find the perfect cotton sweater. And every winter there is a search for the perfect cotton sweater. And this year I could see it coming up <laughs> and there was no possibility to satisfy that search for perfection. And to see, but I have a lot of good cotton sweater. Can I be satisfied with those? And I don't need more. So I found it so interesting, the fact that actually the condition kind of made us appreciate more what we already have. Even my sister did the same, who is not a Buddhist. Uh, during the first confinement, she actually had so much time that she checked all her clothes, counted them, organized them, and she said, but I have so many, I don't need to buy more. And it's interesting. What is it I have and I can be contented with and use? And when is it that I want more? Do I need more? Because I think this is also really a question in terms of the ecological, the environmental crisis. So in a way, I think mudita is appreciating, and we'll do this in the guided meditation, appreciating what we have in terms of our body, mind, heart, appreciating our relationship, appreciating that we can survive in this world, but also appreciating our efforts. 
To me, this is an important part of mudita, to see that generally we do the best we can considering the situation. And so we have to be a little careful as we sit in meditation, not to try to rearrange the past, especially if we made a mistake in the past. And to accept we made a mistake in the past. This was a doubt. We regret it, but we cannot change this. But we can understand it so that right now, we would not make the same mistake. And so I think we have to appreciate we did the best we can then, and now we can do something different because we are now. But also rejoicing in our wisdom, in our capacity to love, to be compassionate, to be wise. But this will become clear in the meditation. Then you have altruistic joy. And this is so important. Altruistic joy is to really see others for themselves. And again, to appreciate their effort. I think to me, this is such an important part of mudita, to, of altruistic joy, to appreciate the effort of others, even if they don't have the effect. Because often we equate effect with effort. So you can try hard, but if you don't get the effect, people think, oh, they did not try hard enough. But Mudita is really appreciating that the people are really trying the hardest they can, considering the situation. I follow somebody on uh, Twitter, Charlotte Walker, and she has a wonderful blog, Purple Persuasion. And she became known for the 10 things to not say to depress people because she is bipolar. She has bipolar. And the first thing she said, first of the 10, try harder. Because somebody who is depressed just to get up out of bed is like an Olympic effort when for us we don't think about it if we are well. So in a way to really appreciate people's effort and not necessarily calibrate it on the effect. Then there is rejoice. And this is strange because it would seem to be a win-win situation to rejoice in people's happiness and wisdom and success. You would think that they're happy I am happy that they're happy, then you have the double happiness. So you would think this would be like kind of, you know, very ordinary, easy response. But if somebody comes with a good news and say, oh, this happened to me, it's fantastic. A lot of the time, what do we do? We say, but what about this? And what about that? If this happened, and if that happened, ooh, and you totally deflate the happiness. And long ago, I did this to a friend and she said, why are you doing this? And I thought, well, I'm not doing this. This is really weird to have this person come with a really good news and me frighten her for the future. And it was so strange. 
And there and then I decided, this is it. I don't do this ever again. I mean, this is so weird. Can we rejoice in the present? They're happy in the present. Let's rejoice in the present. And in the future, we will see. Or in meditation, you know, you have a, a retreat. And then everybody, as this is wonderful. On the, I mean, when we used to be able to be together in a silent retreat. And so everybody is sitting there. And what is interesting, everybody is thinking, everybody else is sitting better. The inner critic that Gina talked about yesterday. So you're thinking, oh, you know, they're not moving. They must be like, you know, in the seventh jhana or whatever. And the, themselves are thinking, gosh, that one, it must be, you know, everybody is thinking, everybody is doing better. Or everybody has more insight. At the end of the retreat, people say, oh, I had this insight and that insight. And if you will, I did not have any insight. But what does it mean to have insight? So can we rejoice that people have insight, but we also can have insight even if they're not the same. And also success. Again, when we talk about success, when we talk about mudita, this is all within the realm of wisdom and harmlessness. So of course we don't rejoice that somebody is killing somebody else, not. We don't rejoice in that at all, like Gina pointed out yesterday. But we rejoice in the harmless, wonderful success of others. If they're good at gardening, at cooking, at writing, whatever it is, and that people appreciate them, we rejoice. And in a way, can we notice why we don't rejoice? What, what's the obstacle to that? Is that often we think happiness, wisdom, success is like a square. And if they get a quarter of it, then we're not getting that quarter. We want the whole square for ourselves. And if they get a quarter, I'm not going to get that. But happiness, wisdom, success, it's endless in a way. There is no limitation. Nobody is taking anything away from your happiness by being happy, by being wise. I mean, in terms of success, of course, it depends. You know, not everybody can be the number one bestseller, but you could still have a reasonable sale of your books or whatever it might be. So you know, again, can we be careful to comparing? Nobody is taking anything from us. Can we rejoice with them? And so then when we do the practice of mudita, uh, we, it's going to be appreciating ourselves. And then it's going to be altruistic joy, appreciating others, rejoicing with others. And then what is interesting is how we feel we can rejoice or not. So it's, we're all together. So I would presume generally we rejoice in everybody who is on this course right now. And I would presume it's quite easy 
And we're really happy to rejoice and appreciate your happiness, your wisdom, your success. Then you have the people who like, who support you, your friends or whoever, animals or nature, whatever supports you. So again, it's so easy to appreciate and to rejoice. And then you have the neither category, people we feel a little neutral toward. And we might have a tendency to ignore. And to me, mudita is to really help us to see them. They exist. And a lot of the time, back to the essential worker, we depend on them. Our survival depends on them. To me, this is what was amazing on the first lockdown. Because when I was living in Korea long ago, uh, often you would not have electricity or water or things like that. So on the first lockdown, I was just amazed. Oh, the water is still running. The electricity is still going. We can still buy food. And I thought, hmm, but it doesn't come from me. It comes from everybody else allowing the system to continue working and being so appreciative of them doing that. So really noticing all these people on which our survival depends, actually. And then you have the category which is generally a little difficult. This is people you have some difficulty with, but not the most difficulty with. Please, for that category, don't choose the worst person in the history of the world. That's not the idea. This is a personal practice. And so here we choose somebody we have a little difficulty with, but when we appreciate their efforts or appreciate their understanding, is to the person, the human being. So we look beyond what is difficult and we reach out to the human being like ourselves. He's breathing and he's suffering. And then we appreciate and we rejoice with their insight, appreciate their efforts. So in a way, I feel mudita is really about gratitude also. But I think mudita can be very interesting, and we can, of course, talk about this in the discussion in terms of perception. And then that can be an interesting practice to do together with sound. And I remember when I was teaching the seniors in France, and we were doing listening meditation, and it was in summer, the window were open, and there was lots of works, roadworks. So we're sitting there and we could hear the roadworks. And then I said to them, you hear the roadworks, what the tonality of that experience, of that contact. And then I said, what about if you have mudita, appreciation, gratitude toward the worker who are actually repairing the road so then you can drive and park more easily? And then afterward, they said, oh, it totally changed the experience for actually unpleasant to neutral with a little pleasantness. So that's also what is interesting in terms of mudita. It's not that we're forcing to have a certain perception, but it can bring some flexibility 
within the perception. So this is what I wanted to talk about this morning. So then we can just stand for a minute to just stretch a little and then I'll do the guided meditation. So if we find a comfortable posture, so that it be standing, lying down or sitting on a chair or on the floor, on a cushion. So again, finding a stable and open posture, relaxed, but upright. And gently bringing our attention to the breath. Just being aware of the air coming in the nostril and coming out again. And we appreciate this breath. Rejoice in this breath. Be grateful for this breath right now. Now being aware of the whole body sitting here.
Can we appreciate this body? Rejoice in this body. Be grateful for this body. Now being aware of our thoughts arising and passing away. Isn't it amazing that we can think, reflect, imagine? And we appreciate, rejoice, be grateful that we can think, perceive, imagine.
not being aware of our emotional life, maybe in the heart region or in the belly. makes us human, able to relate, to empathize, appreciating the fact that we can experience feeling, rejoicing that we can have an emotional life. Being grateful that we can feel and relate. Now opening our understanding, our heart, altruistic joy. So first opening toward everyone on this online course, retreat. Appreciating your effort rejoicing in your wisdom, being grateful for your existence.
Now expanding the altruistic joy to people we like, we're comfortable with, they support us, they're kind to us. Appreciating your efforts, rejoicing in your happiness, being grateful for your existence. Now extending our altruistic joy to people we, find we might feel a little neutral, a little indifferent, but looking beyond that feeling of neither pleasant nor unpleasant and reaching out to the human being who exists, who breathes, who suffers, we share the world with, appreciating your efforts, rejoicing in your wisdom, being grateful for your potential.
by extending the altruistic joy to people we have a little difficulty with. But looking beyond what is difficult, reaching out to the human being like ourselves, his breathing, his suffering, appreciating your efforts, rejoicing in your understanding, being grateful for your potential. Now extending mudita, the appreciation to the animals. can also extend it to nature. Nature that supports us, that brings us joy, that challenges us. Extending mudita to the earth on which we live. Extending mudita to the universe.
appreciating the breath again on which our life depends, but which we also share the air with everything that lives.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.